Hey, this is Kat Lee, and you're listening to the How They Blog podcast, where I take you behind the scenes with inspiring bloggers and show you how to build a blog that makes a difference. After you listen to this episode, head over to howtheyblog.com for all the show notes, more interviews, and resources to help you grow your blog. Hey, friends. Welcome to another episode of the How They Blog podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Blog Planning Kit. Now, it's getting to be that time of year when we're starting to think about the holidays, the weather, at least in Texas, is starting to turn a little bit cooler, which means that it's no longer triple digits. Super excited about that. But I love the holidays. I love family. I have to say, though, that I get really excited about thinking about the new year, 2015, planning a whole new year, getting calendars out and lists and coming up with goals. The nerd in me is just so, so very happy. Now, because I love to do that, I wanted a system that would make it pretty painless for me to do year in and year out. And I wanted to help those of you that don't get into that. All of us work differently. Our brains work differently. And I know that some of you feel overwhelmed by the idea of planning and setting goals and all that lofty stuff. You want to get the work done. And I so admire that in you. So I created the blog planning kit to help you guys come up with a master plan for your blog where you're wanting to take your site in the weeks, months, years to come. So if if you want to really knock out 2015 and make it your best year yet, I encourage you to go to theblogplanningkit.com or head to howtheyblog.com and just click on any of the blog planning kit links. And you can learn more about the kit that I created to help you take your blog to the next level. And speaking of taking our blogs to the next level, today I'm chatting with Sarah McKenzie, who did just an incredible, incredible job of that. And she was very um, detailed and intentional in the way that she took her blog from a hobby blog to a pro blog. And you're going to love what she has to share with you today. So let's jump into our chat with Sarah McKenzie. Hey, Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Kat? I am doing very well. And I'm really excited to talk with you because I know what you've done online lately and what you've done with your podcast. And I just think that you have been very, what's the word, just effective and I don't know, efficient maybe, but you've just done a lot in a small amount of time. And I can't wait to learn about how you did some of the things that you've done. Um, Probably purposeful is the best word. Um, Mm. And and so I'm excited to learn some of the things that you've you've done and learned along the way. So before we jump into all that, though, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about your blog and your podcast? Yeah, sure. I well, my husband, Andy, and I have six kids and um, they're all 12 from 12 down to our identical twin one year old boys. So we've got wow, young kids, mostly kind of crazy. Um, And I started my blog amongst lovely things because we're homeschoolers. And back in 2009, I wanted a place to document what we were doing in our homeschool and keep in touch with family. And so for a good long while, uh, almost five years, I just sort of wrote whatever I wanted when I wanted, just sort of a journal, you know, the old blogging kind of style. And that I loved it. I was really consistent with it just because I really enjoyed it. But it wasn't until around Thanksgiving of 2013 that I thought it would be fun to take it up a notch and see what I could do with it. And at that time, I had a pretty active readership there, although it was very small, but it was a, a pretty good little community. And 
um, I decided to find out what they liked reading best there. So I did a survey and when I got those results, I thought, okay, let's just see, let's just see what this looks like. So I started writing the things they wanted that they enjoyed the most, which also happened to be the things I enjoyed writing the most. So that was kind of a happy little coincidence. And then, um, and then we just sort of went from there. The blog's been growing and I've been more intentional about what I'm doing there and how I'm growing it. So it's been a fun year. I sort of feel like I found my thing, you know, all of a sudden I think, wow, this is what I was supposed to do. This is really fun. So that's been really exhilarating. Are you open to sharing some of the ways that you have monetized your blog? And was that hard to make that transition? Yes. Well, it was hard to make the transition partly just in my mind because mm-hmm. um, because when you've been blogging for a really long time and doing it for completely free or for, you know, $10 on Amazon affiliates or whatever, it's a little bit hard to... Uh, to shift your mindset and feel good about it. But um, what I quickly realized was that by being more intentional, by being more intentional <laughs> about the ways I was monetizing the blog, I was actually able to car- use that to carve out more time to do a better job. So I was, mm-hmm. I was able to bring better content and do a better job with it by monetizing it. So I felt like it's sort of weird to think that you're doing your readers a favor by monetizing your blog, but I think in a lot of cases that's true. Um, so at this point, it's not been quite a year since I have considered my blog a job or an income stream um, of some sort. I would say that more than half of that income is coming in through um, products that I'm selling on my blog. Um, a book and audio companion that I created. And then um, about, well, I'd say about 20% through affiliate marketing and another 15% or so on blog sponsorships. Not um, sponsored posts. I don't write sponsored posts, but just general blog sponsorships. So what they do, I'm working with a few different small businesses and they pay for ads on the sidebar and then a giveaway opportunity every quarter. So those are the three main ways I've um, streamed income in. And yeah, it's been an interesting transition. Definitely at the beginning, I think I had some growing pains and readers who have been accustomed to you not monetizing at all, when you start to monetize, that can be a little bit rough. Yeah. Yeah. That's been, I mean, I've been blogging since 2010 and I, I just recently started monetizing the Inspired to Action podcast. Uh, or the Inspired to Action blog via the Inspired to Action podcast. And so I did actually put out a whole survey um, just asking my listeners what they thought about it. And actually so a few weren't excited about it, but so many of them, the vast majority were for it. And so I went ahead and did it. And just like you said, because by having that income, I can then have somebody else do some of the things that take me a long time. And so then I can spend that time getting better guests, preparing for interviews more effectively. And it does feel a little counterintuitive, but by monetizing, we really can provide a better product. For well, yeah, listeners. the other thing I think that I that kind of caught me off guard, but I'm realizing is true, is that we sort of value things. We purchase more yes. than we value things that mm-hmm. are free. So I know if I get a free ebook, I may or may not read it. It may mm-hmm. just sit on my computer for ever. I might completely forget about it. But if I've purchased a course or an ebook or a product from someone, I'm gonna use it. And then that then has the ability to make an impact on my life. And so I have seen that too 
on my blog. My my ebook actually started as a series that I wrote on my blog, and I didn't really intend to write a book with it. It just I kept writing and writing, and it was being re- received pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I ended up compiling it as an ebook and adding to it. But I do think that it's had a better the same things I was posting on my blog in a book form have had the ability to make a better impact in other people's lives just by packaging it up in a better format and giving people the opportunity to purchase it and maybe assign value to it themselves. So, so it's are interesting. So all those posts still on the blog? They are. They're all still on the blog. Yeah, and um I would say about 70% of my book is well, maybe not quite that much, but about 70% of the book is were posts that were on the blog. So now they're just organized in a better format, easier for people to read and reread when they need it. It's mm-hmm. mostly a book of encouragement. Um, and so it's helpful to have that in one place where you can go to it right when you need it. Um, I recently met Jeff Goins because he was in my town doing a meetup. And Fun. one of the things that he... What's that? I I just said fun. (laughs) Oh, it was so fun. Um, And one of the things he said was he had heard that 40% is a better number. He could share about 40% of what you have in a paid product for free. And that seems to be a good percentage to share and to give away and get people interested in your whatever you have without giving away too much so that the people who purchase it feel like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I'm curious, how long ago did you create your products? So how far? So it's been about a year since you've kind of really made the intentional transition. Where in that spectrum did you create your products? Okay. I launched my book and audio companion all at the same time. So the only products I'm selling right now are those. And I launched those in May. So what is that now? Five months ago? Not quite okay. six months ago. So about it took me maybe about five months before I launched anything. But when, you know, five months from the time I I started thinking, hmm, maybe I can start trying to do something with this. And I didn't think I was going to have any products at that time. I didn't actually know what I have to offer. I remember thinking I, I couldn't write a book. I don't have anything to, to write a book about. Um, funny how that changes. Now right. I can't quite keep all my ideas like tamed <laughs> so that I can <laughs> do one thing at a time. But um, But yeah, it's been about five months now since I launched that. So have you just promoted the book and audiobook on your blog or have you done ads elsewhere? What kind of marketing have you done for it, if you don't mind me asking? Of course. No, I haven't done any paid marketing at all. I, I did put the book on Kindle as well. So people can purchase the, the book on Kindle. And then there are links within that Kindle book to come to my site if they like the audio companion, which is the real kicker. I think that's probably the part that people like the best. It's for hours of audio interviews I did um, just to expand on what was in the book. And there, I was just able to snag some really inspiring people to talk to. So those came out really well. So then um, I end up, you know, those people who buy the Kindle book end up coming to the site and getting the companion most of the time as well. And um, I actually just mostly guest posted a whole lot right around launch time. So I had read that strategy, I think from Jeff Goins and Sarah May, I'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. I had read it from her too. Um, Just saying that was a really good kind of organic way to get your message out. And so I guest posted quite a bit right around the time that it launched. And then it's mostly just been word of mouth, people that have purchased the book and enjoyed it um, or the audio companion and enjoyed it talking about it. And then I created an affiliate program, which I think is 
really helpful because it gives people a little bit extra push to if they enjoyed the the book to want to talk about it. Very cool. So um, for the uh, audio companion and the interviews that you got, was that something that people just you they agreed to be interviewed by you or were those people that you paid to interview or how did that process work for somebody interesting and interested in, in doing something similar? Well, that it it's I didn't come into it with a well thought out plan. It sort of just developed as I went. So I first reached out to a couple of people I wanted to talk to, let them know what I wanted to do. And when they said yes, I was sort of floored. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm going to talk to, you know, Dr. Christopher Perrin and Andrew Kern. This is amazing. And so we recorded these audio hours and there was not really any understanding of me paying them. They were really doing it out of the kindness of their heart and the, the fact that this was a message they really believed in. Um, and then once I had those four, I did four interviews. Once I had those packaged up, I realized that it really wasn't fair or even it just wasn't a, a good way to um, thank them for the time and investment that they had they had given me in my project um, without compensating them in some way. And so what I ended up doing was making en- those four people who I interviewed 75% affiliates mm. on the product. So anyone they sent to my site to purchase it, they actually made 75% on those sales. And they, all four of them, have responded really positively. They definitely um, definitely feel like that was a, a good gesture. I think that makes it feel like it was a good you know, I don't know. A good use of their time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it's actually less risk for me, quite frankly, because then at that time, I didn't know if I'd sell any, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so instead of being able to say, well, I'll be able to pay each of these people $100 or whatever for their time, and I didn't have that money to begin with, um, I just pay as they are sold. And so it ends up working out really well for both of us, I think. That's a great idea. I like that. So you have... The, this product that you've created, mm-hmm. you blog and you podcast, you homeschool and you have six kids. Tell me what a typical <laughs> day looks like for you. It looks kind of crazy. <laughs> Do you sleep, eat, bathe? <laughs> uh, all of those amazingly <laughs> by the grace of God. Um, I get most of my work done in the early hours of the morning. So uh, probably the reason I've been able to do as much as I have this last year is because I get up at five every day, um, which is interesting. I was not a morning person a year ago, but I realized that if I wanted to write, the only time that was going to work at that time in my life when the twins were very small was in the early morning hours. That was it. Um, So if I wanted it badly enough, I knew I was going to have to get up and do it. And I sort of just trained myself to get up at five and work. So now that it's, it's really not a um, matter of discipline anymore. It's more just a habit. So I get up and I work early in the morning. Um, and then by about seven people are up and I, I need to shut off the work brain and transition into what I do the rest of the day, which of course is homeschooling and juggling the kids and running errands and homemaking. I don't usually work much during the day. It, if I do squeeze some in, it might just be peeking at my email or throwing something up on social media or boxering with my mastermind group or something. Um, and then I don't do a lot of work in the evenings. I am fried yes, by the time I too. put the kids to bed. I can't write anything worth reading at yeah. that hour. So sometimes if I have some time after the kids go to bed, I will 
do some simple administrative kinds of tasks or work on design or updating plugins on the site or something. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the big, bigger project work like book writing or creating podcast content or something, those I do either in the mornings or on the weekends because as the blog has grown, um, my my husband has seen my need for more time to work on it. And so he has been so supportive and gives me a few hours at a time, like these work chunks on the weekends. And that is a huge help. So you've developed a full-time income. About how many hours a week would you say that you work on the blog or the podcast? Oh, that's so hard to say. I put rescue time on my computer because I was trying to figure that out. (laughs) Probably more than I want to admit. at the beginning stages when I was just ramping things up, I, gosh, I don't even know if I can make a good estimate except um, it, it might have been close to full-time hours. It might have been close to, you know, 35 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not able to do that, especially when I'm when we're in the school year and I'm teaching. Um, I would say probably more like 20 or 25 hours. I I do think I'm a pretty high energy person naturally. So I always feel like it's a little unfair when people ask, how do you do everything you're doing? Mm -hmm. Because I don't really think it's all just, you know, merit. Like I'm, I do think I spend my, my time very carefully, but I also just think I have sort of unusual amounts of energy. I don't really know where that comes from. (laughs) I think I totally get that. I think I'm the same way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are some things that you do? Because, I mean, your time, regardless of how much you spend now, your time still is limited. Mm-hmm. What sites, resources, apps, that kind of thing have helped you to get things done? You mentioned rescue time. Yeah, that's new. I'm just trying to figure out how much time. I pretty much wanted to answer that question myself. How much time am I working? And am I, I have a feeling I'm working more than I think I am. Um, and so, and I don't really want it to take over all of my free, you know, all the little bits of extra time in my life. So I'm trying to get a handle on that. That's really why I installed Rescue Time. I think one of the best things I did was quit checking my email first thing in the morning mm. because I had no idea what a productivity, you know, what a productivity drain that was. Um, but podcasts are huge for me. I think I have learned so much from listening to online business and blogging podcasts while I'm exercising or doing housework or folding laundry or whatever. Um, Those have been huge. What are some of your favorites? Uh, Well, yours, of course. And um, I didn't pay you to say that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a huge fan of Jeff Goins, of course. So Mm -hmm. I like his podcast, The Portfolio Life. And then my very favorite might be Todd Henry's The Accidental Creative. Are you familiar with that? No. Oh, I stumbled across it not too terribly long ago, maybe at the very beginning of summer. And it, it really was amazing. It's so good. It's so much about, um, finding out what your real message is and how you work creatively and kind of harnessing the momentum of your creative work and doing your best work every day. And it's less about the business side and more about nurturing creativity and ideas in your life. It's just really, really good. He's got a couple of really good books too, The Accidental Creative. And then my very favorite is Die Empty. Oh, I've heard of that one. Mm, Yeah. I've read it three times. Okay. I think I have that on my wish list. Maybe I need to go ahead and get that. 
Yeah, bump it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am. So you mentioned podcasting. How have you enjoyed that process? You you said you're about 12 episodes in. Was it Mm -hmm. a hard thing to go ahead and start or was that process pretty seamless for you? Oh, it was not seamless. Um, I was pretty sure I would like it. I had no idea how much I would like it. So I love it. I didn't, I wish I'd started it earlier. But what happened is I kind of got the idea for it. And before I looked into the technical note, you know, how to of podcasting, I reached out uh, to the person I wanted to be my first guest. And I expected him to say no, because he's pretty prolific and well-known in my niche. And so I thought, nah, he, you know, but he said yes. And so I thought, okay. And I booked him. And then I thought, I need to figure out what I'm doing, I guess. I had to order a mic. And <laughs> and I, I'm glad I did it that way because I think if I had looked into the technical part of podcasting first, I might have gotten scared off. It's just that's it's just, just a little bit of a learning curve, right? Yeah, but so, that's just a brilliant – if I can just pause you for a minute for everybody listening, that is probably the best tip that you could possibly glean from this entire podcast that to just start to, and, and even do the thing that commits you first and then figure everything out else out along the way, because I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who would love to start a podcast, but they've been tripped up by something or other, or they wanted to get it perfect before they actually started. But if you schedule that first guest first, then you know, you're going to figure it out by that yeah. date. And I just <laughs> think that you couldn't have started better. I don't think. Uh, but I'm sure it was a scary in between there trying to figure out the whole thing. It was. And I was sort of, I remember that morning when I was going to record the first podcast episode, I was so sick to my stomach. I was so nervous. <laughs> Were you so nervous when you started podcasting? Uh, well, I started and then stopped. So my, I consider my really, my actual start of podcasting was my, my interview with Andy Andrews. That's when I started to take it seriously. And I was a little sick to my stomach because I read his bio and it talked about all the presidents that he'd met with. And how he speaks at NATO and things like that. And I was just like, do you know I'm talking to you from my closet? (laughs) So for those listening, if you don't know, my closet is my office. It's a long story. Anyway, yeah. So I was was very nervous. So I absolutely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the great thing about the internet right now is that you can find tutorials and how to and help no matter what, even when I got tripped up. So after I submitted my first episode to iTunes, um, I was having problem with my podcast feed. And I remember talking to my friend Pam about it. And I was like, I don't know what, to, I don't even know who to ask about this. And she said, ask Cliff Ravenscraft, which I don't know if you are familiar, yeah. if you're, you know, the listeners are familiar. He's the podcast answer man. He's like the go-to guy in podcasting. (laughs) I'd never had any interaction with Cliff. And actually, I haven't really had any interaction with him since. I should. Um, But I sent him an email and within, I don't know, two hours, he emailed me back how to fix it. It was amazing. I mean, the the internet world of bloggers and uh, podcasters and they're so ready and like happy to help you and ready to step alongside you. So I think a big part of um, moving forward is just setting aside that fear and realizing that we're really all trying to help each other. We're not, you know, it's all much friendlier than it might seem when you're not doing it yet. And I just your, I don't know if gall is the right word, but just I love (laughs) that you went ahead and scheduled that interview that you emailed Cliff Ravenscraft. I, I believe he does podcast coaching and it's literally thousands and thousands of dollars 
Yes, for it him, is. for him for his time and for what he shares. And so the fact that you emailed him and then he emailed you back is just uh, that's just a great story. I love that. <laughs> now, I think I mean I just we we in the blogging world we get so caught up in the technical stuff or in this social media platform or that social media platform or this SEO thing. And really, it just comes down to being decisive and doing something, whether you're ready for it or not. And that's just huge. And I think that's such um, an inspiration, hopefully to everybody listening and to me specifically, that you've just decided to do things and then you just do them, whether it (laughs) technically makes sense or not. Um, And whether you knew that you would get feedback or not, you just went ahead and did it. And lo and behold, it all worked out and you got what you what you'd asked for. I love that. Well, I think the baby steps are end, end up being kind of the things that give you the confidence to take the next step. So if you try and take off too much of a chunk, this for me, I think if I try and take on a huge thing all at once, I will get intimidated into thinking, what, who do I think I am? I can't do this. You know, I can't, I can't, especially with all, you know, my season in life right now, my time is limited and um, I just can't take on this big project. But if you just take one baby step that's a little bit outside your comfort zone and then that goes well, you know, I landed that interview with Andrew Putawa and thought, oh my goodness, I guess I'm doing this. Okay. And then that gives you a little confidence to take the next step and then the next and and then, you know, down the road, you kind of look back and go, hey, that was really fun. <laughs> next thing you know, you have 12 episodes and hundreds of iTunes reviews, just like <laughs> Sarah does. And you've just been so strategic and everything about all of it. It's been very, very inspiring for me. So I encourage everyone to check out her podcast, whether you, you know, have kids and want to read aloud or not, if you're interested in podcasting, just look at how she does stuff. She's just been extremely professional, I think, in everything that she's done. And I've been very inspired by her just in the process of us scheduling this interview. I was asking her all these questions. How do you do this? How do you do that? So <laughs> it's been fun uh, to chat with you. Um, so I have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. If you were starting all over again, either in blogging or podcasting, you can pick. What would you do differently? I would have taken myself seriously earlier. I think I've just recently come to the realization that the reason I didn't was because I was afraid of failing. Mm -hmm. So for so many of those years that I was just casually blogging, um, I think I knew that I would have liked to ramp it up and take it a little bit more seriously. But I knew that if I did that, that would mean that I was trying and therefore I could fail. And so I don't, I didn't think about it that way at the time. But now in hindsight, I think that was keeping me from, from turning it into something that I didn't just really like, but something that I loved. I was also afraid that monetizing it or turning it into a a job of sorts would kill the love for me. And that has not been the case at all. If anything, it has just given me the time and resources to do it better, which inspires this, you know, ability to make more connections and make better messages, like hone my craft and get better at it and meet great people. And I get so much from the other bloggers I connect with and the readers of my blog are, I really think, some of my greatest friends and people who have had a huge impact. So I guess I would go back and tell myself, just do it, you know, step outside of your fear and just take a step toward something that seems a little bit scary and a little bit outside your comfort zone. So good. So if you're listening right now, take Sarah's words to her self 
and take them for, for you. Some, do something today that's just a little bit outside your comfort zone. And, um, and just doing that one thing is going to give you so much energy and vision for the things to come. So, Sarah, where can people find you online? They can find me at amongstlovelythings.com. And I'm on most of the social media uh, channels too, but you can get to all of those from the blog there. That's sort of my main hub. So, Fantastic. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate the time that you've given and just the great inspiration that you've given today too. Oh, well, thank you. And you know, Kat, your podcast was probably the very first I listened to about um, blogging and online business of any kind. And it's been such a blessing to me. So your work here, I I know I can speak from the audience when I say, keep it up. We just love what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that. That's that's fun to hear because as you know, as a podcaster, you're just talking to nobody. I mean, you know, you're <laughs> the wall. talking the yes. wall. <laughs> yep. So it's not like blogging where you get comments and stuff necessarily. So it is always fun right. to hear encouragement. So I really appreciate that. But I hope you have a fantastic day, Sarah. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this episode of the How They Blog podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You know, I'd love to know how I can help you. My goal for this show is to help you build a blog that makes a difference. You have words and wisdom that others need to hear, and it's my job to help you spread your message. So if you have any ideas, suggestions, or questions for me, just head over to howtheyblog.com, click the contact button, and send me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to share the love, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a rating or a review on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, just visit howtheyblog.com forward slash love, and I'll show you how. As always, for all the show notes, more interviews, and other resources to help you grow your blog, head over to howtheyblog.com. And until next time, this is Kat Lee, and you've been listening to the How They Blog podcast.